911 state emergency. How do you respond under pressure? We're at Wagner's campground and it uh -huh. looks like there's a fire south uh, by where the lake is. When you find yourself in an unimaginable situation. Which, which lake are you at, sir? Mammoth Pool Lake. Do you stay calm? Do you see flames from where you are right now? Every, in every direction, yes. Focused? How many, approximately how many people are down there, approximately? I want to say 150 to 200 people. But we have burn, burn victims, and we okay. have a girl that's severely burned. When does that tough veneer start to give way? We are literally, we have people running to the lake, like on foot, running to the lake as fast as they can because there's fire everywhere. To fear. There's fire on both sides of the truck. There's we're driving through the fire. <laughs> through the fire. <laughs> and panic. Get on, get on, get on, get on, get on, get on. And what do you do when there's only one way to survive? Then you have to get out and you have to run to the lake. Just get in the water and that's the best okay. you're going to be able to do, okay? This is Escape from Mammoth Pool, a new podcast from KVPR, NPR for Central California. I'm your host, Carrie Klein, and this is the story of the dramatic rescues of hundreds of campers that have been trapped in the remote wilderness by the historic, fast-moving Creek Fire. Over the next few weeks, we'll piece together what happened over Labor Day weekend 2020 based on the accounts of three families as well as recordings of 911 calls from campers. The story begins 24 hours before those harrowing calls you heard at the beginning. Before the Creek Fire created chaos, before it created panic and gridlock, before parents were separated from their kids, before drivers were forced to ram through smoldering trees and hikers literally outran the flames, hundreds of people were just camping at Mammoth Pool Reservoir in the Sierra Nevada, like Carla Carcamo. We have a family tradition for Carla, the long weekend meant one thing, huge family party, like really huge. Most of it is my family and family that it's invited family. And those family friends have invited friends of theirs. I'm telling you, we have over 200 people. Cousins, aunts and uncles, babies, grandparents, coworkers with tents, RVs, lights, music, beer and food. So much food. And to even tell you, we had a griddle that we use uh, because we have pupusa night. We're Salvadorian. <laughs> Most of Carla's family lives near Los Angeles. She's in Northridge. It takes about six hours to get to Mammoth Pool, but they keep coming back year after year after year. Yeah, my family has been going there every year for the past 17 plus years. The reservoir sneaks along the San Joaquin River at the border of Madera and Fresno counties, nestled in the foothills at an elevation of about 3,000 feet. Being there, let me tell you, it's like a little piece of paradise. Cell service is patchy here, and there's only one long winding highway in and out. Drive uphill from the lake about two miles on a narrow dirt road, and you'll reach the massive campground where Carla's family was staying. Like so many Sierra Nevada lakes, Mammoth Pool sparkles. Bright blue water, hills covered in a thick forest of black oaks and ponderosa pines. It's straight out of a postcard. Or at least it was, before a blazing inferno reduced it to a barren moonscape. 
In that first weekend, the Creek Fire was one of the fastest moving, most intense wildfires in California history. And yet, thanks to the National Guard and to normal, everyday people not thinking twice about being heroes, everyone camping that weekend survived. This is the story of how 242 people and 16 dogs escaped Mammoth Pool Reservoir. The lake's isolation and natural beauty didn't just attract Carla's family. Alex Tedamonti and her husband Raul Reyes were regulars too. It's beautiful. <laughs> just the smell, I mean, everything. Right? Yeah, just the smell of all the pine trees and stuff. And the trees are so big, it's really cool. They're part of an off-roading club that comes to the lake every year to play with big toys. Trucks, quads, jet skis. Rolando Rosales and his family belong to the club too. Well, I like everything. I like the lake, I like the trails. We also um, used to go hiking from the, uh, the campsite to the lake and then come back on the, uh, on the cars, the, uh, the wives. He was here that weekend with his wife, their two kids, and their niece and nephew. By Friday, these three families, whom we'll follow throughout the series, were settled in and ready to celebrate. They were all staying at Mammoth Pool Campground also known as Wagner's Campground, right by Wagner's store. They spent the day hiking, visiting waterfalls, and riding ATVs. Here's Rolando's wife, Vicky Castro. Friday, everybody went down to the lake, everybody who wanted to go to the lake, take their jet skis. And we were in the little river that passes through Wagner Camp with the kids and everything. So it was just like normal camping. Dinner that night would seem normal too. Carne asada, ribs, the usual. But unbeknownst to all of them, around 6.45 p.m. in a canyon far to the southeast, a spark would begin to smolder. As the wind picked up, it would devour nearby leaves and brush, then begin hopping from tree to tree. A few hours later, shortly after midnight, Carla was the first to realize something was wrong. She and her family were sitting by the campfire, drinking beer and listening to music. When she and her cousin got up to pee, they noticed a glow on the horizon. It wasn't a big fire that we saw, but you could see the red-orange spark. Kind of like a campfire, but high up on a hillside. They decided to call 911. 911. We're at Wagner's campground, and it uh -huh. looks like there's a fire south uh, by where the lake is. At that point, the Creek Fire was only six hours old, just a few hundred acres in size and more than 10 miles away. So it's no surprise the Madera County employee who answered didn't seem to know what they were talking about. Are you seeing a campfire or are you seeing a forest no, fire? It, it, it looks like an actual forest fire. Where was it? To the north, the south, before the lake or beyond it? Eventually, the dispatcher got all he needed and the call ended. So Carla and her cousin went to sleep, shaken, but relatively reassured that the fire wasn't coming for them that weekend. There were hundreds of people camping here over Labor Day. Carla and her family didn't know the off-roading club, but their paths would cross countless times during the chaos that would unfold by just the following afternoon. By 12, that's when everything happened. That's when everything happened. By the time everyone woke up on Saturday, 
there had been a shift. So when I woke up, I did notice it was kind of cloudy. The sun was kind of like orange color. The sky was orange and there was ash, like big pieces of asphalt. They had misgivings. Carla asked about the fire at the general store, but the cashier said it was too far to be a threat. The fisherman at the lake said the same thing when Rolando rode to the dam to scope it out. And Alex, at breakfast, she made a prophetic joke. And I said, like, the most regrettable thing I think I'll ever say in my whole life. It was her 31st birthday, and she blames the mimosas. I said, if there's anything here that you think is important, you better take pictures of it for insurance before you go on this hike. Looking back at it, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. I'm no fire specialist, but I'm pretty sure that Alex didn't cause the creek fire. Nonetheless, without any warnings from the Forest Service, from the Sheriff's Office, or the camp caretakers, everyone shrugged the smoke off. Around noon, Alex, Raul, and Rolando took off on a hike with a few others. It would take around two hours and end at the lake, where the rest of their group would be waiting with grills, beer, and jet skis, ready to party for the rest of the day. But around an hour in, it was clear something was amiss. As the terrain opened up around them, they began to see spot fires on distant hillsides. And embers coming out of the sky now. Nothing very alarming. They looked, you know, about two, three miles away. Then the fires got bigger and closer. So you're actually seeing flames, not just the smoke? No, the flames, yeah. By the time they reached the lake, there was no party. Most of their friends were gone, only a few trucks left at the boat launch. They were the last hikers to finish, and the leader of their off-roading group was waiting for them on a jet ski. He said there was no time to walk back to the boat launch. On a little two-seater jet ski, he's like, come on, guys, come on, guys, we got to go, we got to go. And I was like, with the dog? Because I have my six-month-old puppy. He's like, we got to go now. They and their puppy rode back to the boat launch, then hopped in a friend's truck. As they drove the windy 10 minutes back to the campsite, the patches of fire began closing in. Across the lake, a chilling sight. There was people camping, I guess, all through here. So now we're seeing them, like... Tearing around the lake. Yeah, and the trailer and all, going probably, I don't know, 50, 60, I don't know. They were almost like they are escaping the fire themselves. Those folks probably made it home, but Alex and Raul were too late. Within minutes, they and the others would find out that they were stranded with only one way to go. Around this time, the Creek Fire was already creating its own weather system. Enormous plumes of smoke, known as pyrocumulonimbus formations, that looked like volcanic eruptions. They shot so high into the atmosphere that airplane passengers were snapping stunning photos of them over the wings. But back at the campground, Carla didn't have the wide-open perspective from the lake or from thousands of feet in the air. Her family had spent late morning and part of the afternoon at the creek, just a few hundred feet from their tents. We were just chilling, you know, just sitting in the river, talking and enjoying and drinking. It was just after lunch when Carla made the short walk back to her tent and finally noticed the hillside. Walking back to where we were sitting, I remember looking to my left and I looked up and carrying the fire was on the mountain top. You could see the fire. You could see the flame. She ran back and grabbed her aunts and uncles, everyone who was still at the creek. 
And then by the time we got up from the water and like we headed to the campground, one of the people that worked for the Wagner store, she looked frantic. And she was just saying, we gotta go. She's like, this is not a drill. She goes like, everybody evacuate. And then me being me, I stopped her and I said, hey, I said, how long do we have to pack? And she kind of looked at me like, oh, you're dumb, you know, like, why are you asking me that? But Carla was hesitating because she couldn't find her sister or her brother or a few of their cousins. They'd gone for a hike that morning, but they should have been there with a few others who'd gotten back earlier. Carla stopped one of her cousins to ask. So I told her, I said, where's everybody, you know, like, we got to go. And she's like, they weren't with us. She goes like, they went to the waterfall. The waterfall. That means they went on a second, longer hike further from the campground. And I was like, oh my God. Elsewhere in the camp, panic had set in. Vicky, Rolando, and their kids had already packed up, but they had to wait just to pull out of their sight. Because of how backed up it was, people trying to go in, trying to leave, and it was just like a show. Alex and Raul were still on the road back from the lake. So many cars were leaving, the truck they were in couldn't get back into the campground. Everyone's screaming at her like, go, go, go. Cars are honking behind it, but she can't go because literally they will not stop pulling out. So began a frantic exodus out of the mountains. The lucky ones beat the fire along the winding highway back to North Fork or Fresno or Madera. But for hundreds of others, including these three families, that route was impossible, blocked by flames and fallen trees. Desperate for a way out and for hope, 911 calls would start pouring in. And eventually, dispatchers would give everyone the same advice. Get to the lake. And if it got bad enough, get in the water. In the next episode, the gut-wrenching decisions these families had to make about what and who to bring to the lake. Once we're in the car and we're going, I just let it all go. I started screaming, crying. When I saw the fire, four cars behind us, I told the kids, get ready to run. We were just like, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. You know, get in the car, you know? That's coming up next week on Escape from Mammoth Pool. Escape from Mammoth Pool is reported and produced by me, Carrie Klein, and edited by Alice Daniel. Music by Kevin McLeod and music help from Benjamin Boone. Web support from Alex Burke. This has been a production of Valley Public Radio, NPR for Central California. Thanks for listening.